This is my first job in sports web series presented by SBRNet, your comprehensive source of sports data to the academic community. Here are the hosts of my first job in sports, Neil Schwartz and Mark Sullivan. Hi, I'm Neil Schwartz, host of my first job in sports web series presented by SBRNet. I'm joined today by my co-host, partner, friend, colleague, and Syracuse alum, Mark Sullivan. Mark, how are you today? Neil, I'm doing good, and I just want everyone out there to know that this is a safe space for uh, Syracuse alums and non-alums. Everyone's welcome here. Mark, tell us a little bit about the My First Job in Sports web series. So the idea is to interview people who are out there working in the field and talk to them about how they got their start in the business. And the idea is to provide to all our listeners uh, kind of a guide, uh, a roadmap, if you will, uh, about how to get started and how to climb the ladder. So the goal in two words, I guess, a little, a little education and a little inspiration. Well, Mark, you hit that one out of the park, and just to steal a line from uh, our friends over at ABC, we're going to try to span the globe to bring our viewers the variety of sports jobs that are available, because there really are a number of different positions, and there are a number of different ways to get there. So, Mark, without any more delay, why don't we get to our first guest? Well, we are happy to have uh, with us today Nick Holmes. I've known Nick for a little bit, and he is the manager of run specialty sales at Under Armour. Under Armour certainly one of the glamorous names in the business. So, Nick, uh, thanks for being with us today. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. Nice to be on. Appreciate you having me. So tell us, Nick, I know a little bit about your background. I know you were a runner in college. Talk to us about your college experience and how that sort of segued into your uh, your first your first job? Yeah, so um, started out University of Iowa running cross country track and field, and I love it. I had a, I had a great experience there. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I, I was blessed with some awesome teammates. Uh, obviously, where you make you know your best friends for life. So I, I wouldn't trade that experience. I had an amazing coach. Um, you know, my my running experience maybe wasn't uh, what I wanted it to be because I was always injured throughout my career at the university. Um, you know, if you look at my span of five years, I think I was hurt on and off uh, for almost four out of the five years, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it teaches you to work hard and, and work through it and perseverance and you, and you have to do that. But, you know, one of the things I would say is that my coach told me when he recruited me that, you know, he was going to be a life coach and he'd take me from a boy and turn me into a man. As we told my parents, right? Wow. When <laughs> sat down. Powerful, and powerful. It was very powerful. And uh, Larry Wazorek is his name, but I, I owe a lot to him, and and I hopefully I think he did a good job of that. Uh, but you know, we'll ask my wife, right? But uh, uh, yeah, so I had a great experience there, and you know, was always in love with running and and everything to do with running and sports, and um, was fortunate enough to be able to get a job working in run specialty um, throughout my time at the end of the University of Iowa there, and and just continue to do that. Um, worked there and then transitioned into working into Chicago. I, I kind of took a job over with Naperville Running Company with those guys. So that was my first real, I shouldn't say it was my first job in the industry, but that was one of them. I actually started in high school under Adam White at Running Central, for those of you that know the run specialty space. So I started around 16 years old. Uh, so I tell people I've actually been doing this a long time, even though I'm only 30. So yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you worked, uh, you got to work for sort of two great mentors and, and two uh, individuals who are great at what they do. For the people who live in the Midwest, Adam White at Run Central runs one of the best stores in the country. And then Chris Hartner at Naperville Running. I think he's widely regarded as, uh, you know, a guru in the business. And uh, every year in and out, he's, uh, he's got one of the best stores in the country. So talk a little bit about what you did at Naperville. What, what did your job consist of? Yeah, no, I uh, agree with you on both of those statements. Those two are just awesome humans, and I- I've learned so much from both of them, whether it be work or just personal life. I, I can't uh, I can't explain for both of those, and they both have different personalities, right? But uh, one of the things I like to do is the the more people you meet, right, like I like to try to take something from them, right, and you learn from them. And Adam is so passionate and so smart about the business, and, and Chris as well, and just what they do. So I've tried to take that and use that in my daily life as well. But um, yeah, working for Chris was great. I learned a lot for him. I started out, um, you know, Chris, you know, even though I was working in the industry for a while, Chris wasn't, I was a manager at my store in Iowa. He was not going to just have me come in and be a manager there, right? And you have to work your way up. So we started, he had me start back from the bottom and, and start as a sales floor employee. Um, and which, you know, I don't, I shouldn't say that's the bottom because that, that's the best interactions, right? You actually get the most interaction with customers and all that good stuff. But he had me start there and I worked my way up from that to kind of the product tech guru in the store, right? I was always a run shoe geek and loved loved all the stuff I could learn about it, loved talking to the sales reps, all that stuff, um, and then worked my way up to being one of the managers of the store. So You were probably able to parlay your experience as an athlete, super knowledgeable about shoes and footwear, and then uh, take that into, uh, translate that, I guess, for your customers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Neil, go ahead before I, I think you had something to say too. You know, when you were in college and, and you were running cross country and uh, your coach, you said he was going to make you a man and all of that sort of thing. Did you think somewhere in the back of the, your mind that sports was going to be your future vocation and what you wanted to do? Or was it just kind of did it happen kind of by coincidence? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, honestly, I, I didn't really know. I, I I remember working when I was 16 for Adam, and, and I thought to myself, I really love this job. And I saw the reps come in with their shoes and their bag, you know, and I'm like, man, I want to do that for a brand. And at the time, you know, I was, I, I love Steve Prefontaine. He was a legend, right, sure. back in the day. And, and um, I idolized that. So Nike was the company that I idolized, right? And so I always wanted to work for a bigger brand not, and not to knock anything against any smaller brand and what they do because everyone brings something to the table. But I always wanted to be part of a global brand and a global sports brand. And, um, you know, so I, I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at with Under Armour now. But yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I liked working in Run Specialty. I was like, man, it'd be really cool to own a Run store someday. And then the more I got into Run Specialty, I'm like, man, that's a lot. <laughs> These guys. They got a lot to deal with and a, and a lot of headaches, right? And and I give them all the props in the world for, um, you know, small business. It's incredible what they do. So I thought maybe, you know, I don't know if that's the route I want to go. I want to be on the sales side. I want to be a rep. And and then I, it just kind of worked out this way. But when I was in college, you know, I, I say that my coach says, you know, make you a man. And I don't mean that in like the terms of manly man or it. anything like that. It's more so, yeah, you you get what I'm saying. It's more so like a better human and, and all of that stuff. And so I was really into psychology and really into counseling. And I thought that might be the way I went. Um, and, and it just turned out I just couldn't get out of a run <laughs> store. So that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you worked for Naperville for how many years? I worked for there about three years. And okay. when I started with Chris, it was kind of when I told him I was coming to Chicago and got the opportunity to interview with him, you know, I told him, hey, I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to work as hard for you every day as possible. I know you're one of the leaders in the industry and I need your help because I want to be a sales rep. You know, that's my goal. My goal is not to be here long term. I was very upfront and honest about that. And I, I'm always honest in, in everything I do. And whether that be good news or bad news, right? I always think it's better to just come out and say it. Um, and yeah, so I, I told him that and was like, hey, you help me and I'll help you and, and I'll give you everything I have and every every ounce of energy, right? And that's what I did for about three years. So Wow, that's I, I didn't realize that. That's a great story. Yeah. Talk about making the transition from working as a, in a running specialty store to uh, a big brand like Under Armour. Yeah, so there was an in-between transition, actually. So a couple things. Um, I went from there to being a sales rep. My wife actually used to work for uh, InGear Representation. It's like an a independent agency, right? And they're contracted through different brands. So she worked for Hoka who employed this agency, right? And then Hoka kind of took their sales reps in-house and my wife decided to go with Hoka's route. So that left that agency open, right? And Under Armour, we have um, a contracted agency model instead of internal sales reps. So um, I was actually able to jump from being on the floor working with Chris, manager to jump over to be a sales rep for about a year. So I was an external sales rep for UA for a while. I also covered some other brands in there, CEP and some nutrition brands like Cliff Bar. So got a lot of experience with all that. And then this job opened up, um, you know, to, to apply. And I talked to the former sales manager and he said, yeah, I think you should put your name in there. And I just thought it was an incredible opportunity. I jumped at it, right? But it's definitely a big, it's definitely a big difference. You know, working the floor and working at a store is a lot different than, being a manager and managing people, I, I guess I managed people in my past, but I think it's different when you're when you're internal at a big corporation. You know, uh, there's sure. definitely more. I wouldn't say more responsibility, but it, more pressure. I think to perform. You know, you have numbers to hit, and um, but at the end of the day, I think I was always taught like if you do the right things, right, and you just go out and you work hard and you do the right things and you pay attention everything else is going to take care of itself, right? So you just have to do it the right way. And that's what I've tried to do since I've been here. So so um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, uh, a lot of people listening to this or watching may not know what an independent rep does. So maybe talk about that. And then talk about what you do in your current job as a, a sales manager. Because I think knowing you as I do, it, it's a nice blend, I think, of customer interaction, but also overseeing, you know, a team of independent reps. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think on the on the independent side, it is, um, you know, it's, it's not very different from being an internal sales rep per se, right? Like it's still the same type of job. It's just, you know, technically you're, you're not supposed to be told exactly what to do from the uh, from the corporation, right? But but you still do. And I, I was just on the road a lot. Um, you're interacting with customers a lot. Um, you know, grinded, and especially with Under Armour, as my wife could say with Hoka back when she was doing that, you know, you're you're there every second trying to build a brand and run, right? Under Armour is a big brand, but it's not big in the run space yet. So it's just trying to build that brand. So it was just out there driving a lot of territory. I covered five states. So it was driving around four or five states, you know, sometimes eight to 10 hours in a day, right? And you just do that a lot. But also at the same time, you know, you get to build your own schedule and you get to manage your time as you see fit, right? But you're definitely more up to the 
um, the will of the customer, I would say, right, which is your account and whatever they need, you're kind of on their back and call to do that. Uh, whereas, you know, internally now managing people, it's, it's managing the agencies and helping them manage those expectations, right? Jumping in on the hard conversations with accounts. And, you know, it, it, like you said, it, it is a, a balancing act of I, I do still get to see the customers and the accounts with our agencies. Uh, but it's also just making sure we're, we're on track to hit our targets, making sure we're hitting our sales goals, making sure we're doing what, what our goals are that we set out for the season, right? And that might be, hey, you know, our, our goal is that we need to land more apparel this season or we need to land more footwear or these styles or whatever that is that we determine um, before the season. That, that's kind of my job, right? Nick, tell us about some of the things that you learned early on in your career that you've been carry, able to carry through now um, with Under Armour. Yeah, I think definitely, um, definitely perseverance and, um, you know, definitely problem solving. I, I think that and um, willing to think outside the box, you have to do all those things, right? And when I was when I was younger, I say this, I go back to the 16 year old story, Adam, uh, you know, he, he's aggressive, right? And, and he's passionate and he, he believes in everybody. But when I was 16, like I, I didn't know if I had any business fitting sports bras in a store, right? <laughs> and back in 2006, I mean, moving comfort wasn't as big of a thing, and in sports bras were were bigger and not as attractive on body and whatnot for the female. And you know, it just was awkward as a 16 year old male having to jump in and talk about that, right? Oh, we man. also had Trigger Point, which was, um, you know, kind of this this hands on massage therapy type tool, right? And at the time, that was so new and run specialty. So both of those things, I'll say, just got me way out of my comfort zone because here I am, this shy teenager, right? And at the time, I was very shy, glasses and braces and, you know, everything you can imagine and 110 pounds soaking wet. So I, I, here I am trying to fit sports bras and help help females out and then also trying to help all our customers out with massage therapy. And it's just very awkward because you're 16 and they're like, who is this kid, Right. Like you think you know something, blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> but you just have to you have to break through and have that confidence and show that like, hey, I did my work and I know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm confident. And worst case scenario, you get rejected. And I think for young people, that's really hard to take rejection. And it's still hard for me on a daily basis. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And that's what I've learned. And and also problem solving. Like I said, I mean, at Under Armour. You know, everyone thinks, hey, it's this massive company. You have 35 people working for you at any given time. And that's just not the case. Um, so it's there's always something coming up. And it's every day I'm like, I, half my job I feel like is problem solving, right? And But that's a big part of it. And, and you have to be able to get creative and come up with another solution. And I say, how do you get somebody to say yes when their answer is no? And you guys probably know that, right? It's you bet. That's tough to do. So um, it's always coming up with a different way to phrase it, a different way to ask the question um, to maybe get that yes uh, to help out. So, Nick, I want to move back a little bit also a little bit because you talked a little bit about facing rejection and dealing with no and, you know, really all of those things, you know, that are negative that, you know, younger kids, you know, sometimes aren't used to hearing, you know. Tell us a little bit about some of the techniques that you've learned to use, because remember, we are focused on helping students, you know, get into the job world and how and, and the things that they need to know. So how do they learn to overcome um, those negative things or the no's, just like you said? Yeah, I think I think it's all it's just a mix of things, right? Like, I think no doesn't always mean no uh, is one thing. So you, you kind of have to have that internal 
you know, know there's always a voice I say inside my head that, that kind of drives me. And it's, it, you know, I lean into my faith a little bit there. Everyone's got what works for them. Right. But for me, that's always like the driving ticking tool. And it's like, Hey, I don't know that this is quite a real no. So like, let's find another way to get it. Right. Um, and, and that, and then you move on, but sometimes it is a real one and you have to face that and figure out something else. Right. Um, so I think you just sure. have to know that there's something else out there. Like this is not the end of the road. Right. And if, if this is a no, then then I just wasn't supposed to do it. Right. Yeah. And I think nowadays, like young people are not comfortable being uncomfortable. Wow. And I love being uncomfortable. I love it. I, I live in it. Right. And I, I did that like racing and, you know, competing and, and being competitive. Like, I love that. I couldn't wait to get to the point in a race where you could see like where the other person was going to fold and you just hold on. Right. Just a little bit longer. And that's life. And I think I always say how you run is how you live life. And, uh, you know, for people that don't run, you know, use another analogy. But that's what I always use. And, and that's it right there is just be comfortable being uncomfortable. And once you get that, like you know that you can hold on through anything and you'll be good. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, so two great points there. Uh, and, and one of the things, you know, myself as somebody who's hired a bunch of people, if I had two candidates that were equal and one of them had a background as an athlete, I always went for the athlete because my feeling was they knew how to compete, they knew how to win, but more importantly, they knew how to, they knew how to lose. They knew how to bounce back from defeat, which it sounds like you've, you've really figured out how to do that. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think I think a- athletics definitely teaches people a lot of things and it's teamwork, it's it's hard work, but at the end of the day it also comes into what are you going to do, right? Like you have to make yourself better and people around you better and and that's what you have to bring into the workplace yeah. and you know. The second thing the second thing I wanted to uh to uh follow up on is uh the idea of uh of no and getting people to change their minds because yeah. again as a salesperson that's your job, right? Is to get people to change their mind sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, it's, um, you know, I always say it's, it's challenging to do that, but you know, you, you have to like read into the psychology of people, right. And what makes them tick. And that's part of the job in, in sales and in anything really. But I love that part. It's okay. If this person doesn't respond to this way and they like more data examples, then I have to go learn the data, right? And figure out how to present it. Sure. And if it's more so emotion, then what what drives their emotion? What makes them happy? What makes them tick? And I look into that and say, okay, and then and then how do I present this in a way that appeals to their emotion, right? And you have to do that and, and be able to navigate that. And you have to do it on the fly and you have to do it, you know, sometimes right there and in the moment, you know? And, be, be able to just do that off the cuff. So, yeah. Nick, that's a great segue um, into really the next thing I wanted to ask you. And one of the things we, we love to ask the people that we're talking to is that what are some of the skills that you have now that maybe you would wish you had acquired earlier in school or said, you know what, I wish I would have taken those courses while I was in school. You know, what are those kinds of things? Yeah, I think financial management, to be honest with you, is is probably the biggest thing. And not, and not even necessarily from what I actually do on a work perspective, although it does help for sure. But um, I just think life. I, I think if you could go back to college and and I could have saved some of the money, right, from student loans and all that stuff, I'd be a lot less in debt, right? So, um, But so many young people, sure. like, I came from a blue-collar family, right? And you know, I, I have a brother in a wheelchair and he's been a great inspiration to me, but we didn't have, you know, the ability to go buy anything and get everything we wanted. Right. So it was getting into school. It, 
it was like, hey, this is on you, right? And you're going to be there. You're going to get your scholarship. But it's kind of like you have to deal with your finances and learn that. But freshman year, I feel like there's no course that you come in and they tell you, hey, the government's going to give you 10000 a year. You really only need to spend three of that. So pocket it and then pay off like a bunch of it when you're done with school, right? I wish I would have known that. Like I said, I think that's huge. But just talking about investing and all of the things that you can do financially is just a whole nother world. And I'm still I'm still learning that. Like I feel like I'm still so new to it. Um, and it does help me on the business side in my job as well because, you know, obviously we, we have to know numbers and sales and all that good stuff. But that's probably the biggest thing I wish I could go back and learn. And then, you know, the other thing when you speak about that is just breaking out of your shell and your comfort zone. I I, sure. I did. I was forced to do that when I was young, but I still probably didn't do it enough. And I wish I would have, you know, and I wish I would have known like it's sometimes people are just shy people, you know, and you can't force that out of somebody. But you, you just have to be willing to put yourself in situations. I wish I would have done that more. So uh, that's great. I think that's great advice on both counts. Awesome. Yeah, we hear from a lot of uh, you know young people sometimes about how they're a little intimidated in a business situation, or they're at a conference and they're standing you know by themselves in a corner. And, and you know, I really try to say to people, look, you gotta you know get in there. I know it can be tough, but you gotta get in there. Any advice, Nick, on how you can uh, kind of help people kind of get them let themselves get in there? Yeah, I think just you know. Be yourself, right? And and don't be afraid to be yourself because everyone's going to accept you. And if they don't, then some someone else will. And you move on and, and find that person, right? Don't be afraid to go introduce yourself and have a handshake and get a card or a number or whatever that may be um, if that's what you have to do, right? And sometimes it'll be another situation where you're in a room and, and you get to have the opportunity to talk to somebody that is maybe running a business or whatever it is that you're passionate about. Don't be afraid to put your hand up and ask the question. I, I think that's the other thing. Sit in the front and ask the question. I always taught that in school. Sit in the front, right? I always sat in the back because I was coming from practice. Me like, too. You, yeah, you know how it is. So. Me too. I was a um, guy that sat in the back row. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, that's what another thing. I wish I could go back and sit in the front more and, le- you know, and yeah. Had but, I known then what I knew now, I think that would have been, I mean, Mark can tell you, you know, Mark and I have been to a number of conferences together. And you know how there's always one guy who's always ready to ask that first question? That's me. Yes. But in college, it was not That's me. awesome. That's awesome that you were able to, like, transition to that, you know, and have that. <laughs> That's cool. I'm trying to be like that, too. So uh, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, in school, too, you, you know, I was very bad at uh, – caring about classes that I knew that I was not going to use right down the road or if it wasn't towards my major, but I still had to take it. I just, man, I was really struggled with that. But but you have to do that. And they want to see that in your job too. They want to see like, hey, just because this is not what you're exactly passionate about, like you still have to do it well and you still have to understand it and you still have to do this. And you may, you know, at a company, you may be tasked to do something that's outside of your job description. And I would say that 99% of your job is probably going to be outside of your job description, as you guys know. And you learn that very quickly and you're like, well, this is not the job I signed up for. Well, hey, you know, it's it's the job you have. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, a couple things I think are, are important, though, for people is, you know, I, I saw this video years back, and it was probably one of the most powerful videos I saw. It was like Bill Gates was on an interview on TV, right? And somebody was asking him, like, how did you become a billionaire, right? And 
um, he's like, well, I'll tell you the difference between you and I, and, and I'll, I'll show it to you. And he takes out a, a blank check. He says, how much do you want? And he's about to write it down. And, and the lady goes, oh, no, 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 that's okay. I don't need your money, right? And he asks two more times. And then I think he goes back and says, she keeps saying no. And he says, that's the difference between you and I. I could have made you a billionaire today. He's like, if somebody gives you something or they are giving you an opportunity and the door opens, you're supposed take to it. take it, right? Take and it. so that's something I, I've learned a lot and have just said like, hey, it comes with that intuition. But when a door opens, you should take that. And, you know, don't be afraid to take it. You'll know it's the right thing pretty quickly and, and don't be afraid to take it. So, yeah, well, that's great advice from uh, Bill Greats and uh, great advice from Nick Holmes. So, Nick, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really enjoyed talking to you. I feel like I got to know you a little bit in a different way. And cool. uh, I think a lot of what you had to say today will really uh, be extremely valuable to everybody out there uh, looking to start their careers. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you guys both for the time. And uh, hopefully I'll get to see you soon. And Neil, hopefully we'll meet down the road as well. Nick, I want to thank you for being on uh, my first job in sports web series. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of my first job in sports presented by SBRnet. Check out the video version of SBRnet video corner on YouTube. And you can also check us out with the audio version on all major podcast platforms or head on over to sbrnet.com. I want to thank our producer, Brad Maybe. I want to thank, of course, my co-host, Mark Sullivan. And of course, I want to thank our guest, Nick Holmes from Under Armour. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of My First Job in Sports, presented by SBRnet. You can check out the video version on the SBRnet Video Corner on YouTube. You can also catch the audio version on all major podcast platforms. Just search for My First Job in Sports. My First Job in Sports is produced by Brad Maybe. You can connect with us on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Or check us out at sbrnet.com. Thank you for tuning in.